A bit of a change of pace today on the Indie Ball Report as we have a third member of the show. Find out who it is next on the Indie Ball Report podcast. All right, we're back again. Another episode of the Indie Ball Report, probably the only independent baseball podcast we can say the best. By far the best. I mean, is there any contender to try and take that title? Uh, I don't think so. No. So I think I should get to what we teased, because otherwise it's going to be kind of awkward if I don't get to what I just teased. I mean, probably, yeah. Or I cannot. We can just leave it. Forget about this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we let our guests introduce themselves? Hello, everyone. My name is uh, Will Thompson. A lot of you may or may not follow my Instagram page, which is ALPB News. Lots of updates some analysis, all that good stuff. So, and if you don't already follow, you can definitely hit the, uh, hit the follow button, ALPB under underscore news. I'm excited to talk about some rules today as Nick is probably going to get into now. Yeah, I was about to say, welcome, Will. Welcome for joining the show. Thanks for coming. We yeah, appreciate it. to have you. Yep. This isn't the first time we've tried to have you on. If, it is not. Yep. <laughs> if y'all remember back in, I believe it was November, no, a little bit before November, it was October because we were talking about the the finals in the Atlantic League and we're going through all that. It was a great episode and then when I went to edit it I found out oh I screwed up recording it. So then we couldn't use it and then we were very apologetic in that episode and then we kept going on saying it was great and we kept referencing the conversation and everyone was in the dark. So hopefully we're going to atone for that today. As you just said we're going to be doing some rules reviews a little bit later in the show and go over the rule changes we saw last year in the Atlantic League and uh Get everybody's thoughts on it, and I think it's going to be a a great time to do it. And uh, I think we all have some strong opinions on these rules. Very strong, very strong opinions. Yeah, you know. yeah, no doubt. I'm I'm interested to see what Will's got for this one. He's going to bring <laughs> the heat. I feel. <laughs> All right, but before we get into that, we just got a couple of news stories to get through real quick, and then we'll jump right into that. But first, let's open up with another tangent out west, a league we all love. And by love, I mean tolerate the Pecos League. I say this because we've said our opinion on the Pecos League in the past, with Andrew Dunn owning half the league because he owns 13 teams, because that's a thing. More importantly than that, though, they are expanding. Ooh, look at this. They are expanding to Pittsburgh. They are going to be called the Pittsburgh Anchors, if you do recall. This used to be a Pacific Association city. But then, you know, they just kind of dropped out because that's what teams in this league do. It's kind of funny the timing that this gets announced. Right as the beef gets kicked up, them in the Pecos League. So they'll jump over to the Pecos League along with the Martinez team, which is now called the Sturgeon as opposed to the Mackerel, apparently. Although... Much better. Thank God. I thought you were a big Mackerel guy. You know, Sturgeon, Mackerel, it's all the same. You're a fish guy. It's a fish. I'm a fish guy. You know, big, big fish man. <laughs> anyway, so the fun thing about the Sturgeon name is on their webpage, the first thing that's up, at least as of yesterday, and that was the second thing after the Pittsburgh announcement, is find out the name of the new Martinez franchise on February, I think it was 11th, at the State of the City event. But then if you scroll down, it lists Martinez Sturgeon. <laughs> so, so so, they've basically already chosen one, is what you're saying? It certainly appears that they tricked the Sturgeon, along with the logo, Put it on the website, but then tease the reveal of it for later in the year, about a month from now. That seems very, very uh, like a Pecos League team. Yeah, right. They're really getting in the spirit of it and really getting in the spirit of things, you know, be as terrible as possible with all of our media stuff. Exactly. Although I will say in their defense, I went on to the Atlantic League's thing today and I saw something about Quebec and whatnot. So I'm reading and I'm like, they called the pitcher a launcher. I was like, oh, I know what they did. They just translated directly from French to English. Ah, uh, then they just copied and pasted the Google Translate. Could, of it. Couldn't even take the time to like make sure. Make yeah, sure no. it was right. Exactly. Uh, come just on, guys. Like, then also, you have teams in Canada now, particularly Quebec. You think you get someone that knows how to speak French and English on the staff? What do you mean? I'm Check a great out. launcher. <laughs> you launcher. You just launch the ball what, about 85 right down the pipe. Yeah, yeah, solid 65 right down the middle. Good BP fastball on me, <laughs> let me tell you. Get the guys warmed up, ready to go, so that way they don't feel as bad when they go for four. Exactly, exactly. That's why we keep you around. <laughs> Any case, so the anchors are going to have a wonderful home, probably the best in this league, called City Field. City with a Y, not an I. 
and they will play in the Pacific Division with all the other California teams in the league. But more importantly than all of that, what we will see is that new team join, help level everything out, and supposedly it is the premier field, like I just mentioned, in the league. However, it is, again, just a municipal field. Yeah, um, yeah. when I was researching this new new city field, okay. it, it, was, it was quite interesting to me because um, as a self-proclaimed uh, Atlantic League guy, yeah. I do, uh, I- I'm used to some pre- pretty nice ballparks, and then mm. there's New Britain, but <laughs> for, for the most part, I mean, uh, for the most part, some really nice ballparks that could definitely pass for like a minor league, uh, yeah. minor league affiliated stadium, right. and uh, this city field, it, it honestly just looks like somewhere where two high schools are playing or like 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 a pretty nice high school field oh yeah it's a good old-fashioned high school field you know great for uh professional baseball exactly yeah. it's, it's always been the kind of problem though <laughs> yeah. with this league. it's never been you know taken seriously and what surprised me is they do manage to live stream a lot of their games do they really yeah and i watched a handful of them they're not anything terribly special I mean, they do move some on. I mean, actually, the Pittsburgh team that was in the Pacific Association, the last iteration, I guess, of the Pittsburgh team in California had uh, so far really only one notable alumni for Atlantic League fans. Gabriel Brockmonte played there. Oh, there you go. He was probably the most notable, although they were one of the original founding teams of the league. They came around in 2013, so they had some success there, and then they've kind of moved out. What's still happening with the uh, San Rafael's is kind of up in the air. There was the other team that had left. I know we have to kind of break down which teams left when and why, as Martinez left because, well, Karpov, and then the other two just kind of left because Look, they it left. It was only an FBI raid. Let's not make a big deal about this now, all right? <laughs> come on. God, he acted like he was running a Ponzi scheme. Really? Oh, come on. Seems 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 like a, a uh, minor l- little bit of an issue. Yeah, he's a great A guy. What do you want from him? Look, <laughs> as we've learned in baseball, you can't run the Ponzi scheme and own the team. You can only own the team if you get tricked by the Ponzi scheme. That's, That's right. right. That's right. The old Will Ponds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but for, just for the record, um, yeah. anybody who plays in the uh, in the Pecos League or the Pacific Association, possibly, since I think it's fair to group the two together um, in some ways, you have my utmost respect. That is the absolute playing for the love of the game. And, like, there's no... There's no other league that could possibly compare to, I'm just trying to keep my dream alive. I'm just trying to really playing for the love of the game. So a- anybody uh, anybody who's listening who maybe currently plays in the league, maybe uh, played in, played in that uh, either of those two leagues in the past, you have my uh, utmost respect on, on a serious note. Absolutely, yeah, 100%. I mean, well said. I think that, like you're saying, there's no way you're playing in those leagues if you don't love baseball at some really, really deep level because it is not an easy league to get through day to day. Oh, yeah, no, it's definitely the trenches. I mean, you're just constantly every day going to work knowing I'm losing money on this deal. I'm getting my $57 a week. I'm probably just going to kind of fizzle out here, but I still want to just have a shot at keeping the dream alive. It's definitely the case there. I know we've gotten some emails from some people in the past saying like, oh, you know, I'm trying to make it. Where do I go? What do I do? And, you know, we try to help the best you can be like, oh, do this, do this. And that's really like the only place to put it. And I do kind of feel bad in a sense because a lot of these West Coast guys, this is the only league or opportunity they really have, at least on the East Coast. You do have some more established leagues, the Frontier League now, um, for guys that are just kind of getting in. The Empire League would be probably the best there, but at least they kind of, they don't um, pretend to be something they're not. They build themselves accordingly, and they do, at least in my mind, the Empire League does have a bit of a higher, they're higher thought of, I guess. I mean, we've seen a lot of guys kind of translate from that league, either to the Frontier League or immediately, I think in some cases, the Atlantic League. I think right. Zach Sullivan was the yeah, guy. Zach, Sull- Zach Sullivan was one, and he, he was actually a re- really big success from York. I admittedly didn't really expect, expect a whole lot from him, but he he really hit well with York. He had a big game-tying homer in the seventh in game four against the Skeeters uh, in their in their series that they, they ultimately ended up losing, but it was quite... It's still very important at the time. Yeah. And, and it impresses me to uh, go from from such a level where, like, an Empire League, and then you jump up to a league that's, that, that's like, double-A, triple-A caliber, and it's really impressive that you're able to hold your own uh, 
in with such a jump up in talent and competition. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, just because these guys play in a league that's not as much prestige doesn't mean they're bad players. A lot of these leagues have very talented players. I mean, we've seen just even in the Can Am League, you see guys that are just dominating this league and mowing people down, just looking totally dominant. You go, why haven't they been given another shot? Then you see them go, say, Can Am to a major league, which has happened before. Sure, yeah. And they, and they do fairly well in that. So, I mean, I think it's that can happen at any real level. I mean, other Empire League guys this past year, Andrew Geis, he wound up pitching yeah. very well in the postseason for Sussex. Absolutely, yep. Now, that one wound up being in vain. I mean, Jack will take that in four. Right. But still, it was a very impressive performance throughout the postseason, as well as Gavin Stupinski, who, if Sussex would have won, I think he has a very strong case to be made for being MVP. I mean, you bat over 500 if that whole time. It's it's hard to say he's not the best batter on the team. Oh, yeah, 100%. And the other thing that I really think, uh, to your point, Will, is that you know, this Empire League, right, is different from the Pecos League and the Pacific League in the in the way that it, at least it's it's an avenue to move forward right i think yeah. the Pecos League and even the Pacific Association they have their serious difficulties in getting guys out of their league because of where they are uh play wise but also because of how they're thought of right i mean image is everything especially for a scout who's looking for one guy Absolutely. you know yeah. it's you know if you go we were talking about it before we went on if you go you know you bat 500 for one week, oftentimes a scout will say, oh, well, that's enough. Uh, you know, especially if yeah. you're just going from like a Empire League to an Atlantic League. But if you bat 500 in the uh, Pecos League, it's just not thought of in the same way. Exactly. I mean, but even if you look at the standings here, there's teams that have eight wins. And also the way their schedule's drawn up, because I looked at the Pittsburgh schedule to kind of draw back. There are stretches where in about 18 games, or 18 days, 18 games, and then there's a week where there's just one game played, and then it's back to 18 and one, 18 and one, and it's just very, very odd. And you gotta wonder, being a player in that situation, yeah. particularly a pitcher, how you're gonna manage to do that. Yeah, and, and it's funny because, um, I, I'm gonna touch again on the Pacific Association, but like I said, I think we can, uh, kind of group the two together. There is, um, a pitcher came out of the Pacific Association, just two years ago, in 2018, uh, which is gonna, who's going to be familiar to Mets fans and, and Atlantic League fans, it's actually Chris Mazza, yep. who is on um, the stirrups. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He, yeah. In the, he played with San Rafael in the yep. Pacific Association. And uh, looking at his stats, it, it's almost kind of like funny how domini- dominant yeah. he was. Uh, he, he actually had a 0.59 ERA. Oh, my goodness. A 0.59 ERA in 17 appearances out wow. of the bullpen. <laughs> Which, uh, honestly, is just, it's just unfair. And which led Southern Maryland to say, like, hey, maybe this guy can possibly give us something. Yeah. Um, got, tr- got purchased from there, went to Southern Maryland, and then the Mets saw it and like, wow, this guy could be something. He dominated in Southern Maryland too. Check that. And he made the majors this year. So literally from Chris Mazza went from the Pacific Association one year to the New York Mets in, a, in another in year. year. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which, it's incredible. Uh, it is incredible. And I'm also very excited for him because uh, as a as a Red Sox fan, he was <laughs> he uh, got picked up, didn't he? He was claimed by the Red Sox off waivers. Apparently, he has a uh, very, very high spin rate, yeah. which our GM is really big on coming yeah. from the Rays. Right. So, yeah, um, that makes sense. <laughs> so I am very, uh, very excited. So, Chris, if you're listening, welcome to Boston. Very excited for <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I mean, absolutely. And I, I think that does happen, right? Yeah. I mean, you certainly have guys who will go from, you know, yeah, there's high quality guys in these leagues. Team. Right. But the problem is, is that the leagues themselves don't do enough. Right? Yeah. I think the leagues need to do a better job of making it a place that's tenable. So you have more masses. You have more guys who are able to make that jump because that is such a hard leap to make. Yep. And then just one final point before we move on. Also, what works against them too a bit is geography, because yeah. a lot of the in, a lot of those independent league teams, the furthest west they're going is St. Louis, so it's going to be really hard to convince scouts from those teams to go. Okay, we're kind of back to back. There's really no leeway in the budgets to do scouting and all that to then send a guy out there or to get quality footage and quality video of all this of these pictures and whatnot and to get reports and everything. It's a lot harder especially when you don't have the prestige there to justify sending somebody out there. Right. So that's always going to be tough. But hopefully this kind of turns it around and be interesting to see uh, 
if we get more teams in that league or what happens. So far, there's been a lot of action towards the end of 2019, now in the start of 2020. So hopefully something big happens there. We'll move on now to, I'm going to go a little bit outward and go to the uh, Trevival Winnipeg trade because the other thing is Atlantic League related. So I figure it's a better segue. Any case, so we had a good <laughs> trade that happened earlier in the week between the Trois Rivier Egal and the Winnipeg Golden Eyes. So two Canadian franchises, two different leagues, American Association Frontier League. In this trade, it was more or less a cash deal as Winnipeg only sent cash back to three rivers there. And in exchange, they got three really solid pitchers. I really do like these three. Uh, arguably, they're three of the better pitchers that wound up in the Can-Am League last year. And with a guy who could argue was probably the best reliever in the Can-Am last year. So we'll kind of go through them here. We have Garrett Harris, who had an ERA of 3.75. He's played in 20 games, starting 16, only walked 39 batters, struck out 105 and 98 in the third inning. So a solid season from him, especially considering that particular league that's kind of known for higher ERAs, a lot of offense there. Also, Dominic Mazza, he only played about half the year. He got in 10 games. He started all 10, a 2.62 ERA, walked 9, struck out 60 and 55 innings. So solid numbers there, at least in my opinion. And then you have Garrett Mundell, the reliever. He had 20 saves in 39 games. He pitched 42 and two-thirds innings, struck out 52, only walked 9, and finished with an ERA of 2.32. And Winnipeg gets all of them for just cash. And I see this as a huge plus for Winnipeg. I think they really helped bolster the uh, pitching staff they had. They've been making a lot of moves, signing a lot of guys, bringing a lot of guys back. Um, and this just seems to reinforce that. I think all these guys can take that next step. I've noticed a lot of the success that Three Rivers had last year, being a truly dominant team in the Can-Am and should have been number one if Sussex didn't go on a historic pace. I mean, it's not often you see two 60-win teams in that particular league. And they both did it. They had a lot of success, and they're moving on a lot of those pieces. So it's going to be interesting to see in their first season in the Frontier League how this is going to uh, respond. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that it's going to, obviously, to talk about the trade itself, trade obviously is Winnipeg's victory. Yeah. I mean, they're only getting cash back, so I suppose from a financial standpoint, you know. Okay. But cash could be anything. That's true. Cash can, can be, be used to buy goods or services. That's right, but I'm I'm going with the, especially the pitching is going to be so crucial for uh, this GoldenEyes team, so I think that's going to be great. Um, And obviously, you know, Winnipeg knows what they're doing. They have a really fantastic uh, organization there. But secondly, I, I think that uh, as we've talked about it, it's going to be tough for Three Rivers this year, you know, to go into this new league with all these different teams and to try to go in and compete. And even as great as they were last year, and they were great. Like, let's not make any qualms about it. They were really good yeah. last year, but they're going to have a, they're going to struggle a little bit this year to try to, you know, convert into this new league. Real quick, want to point one thing out here too. Another issue they're going to have is it's only going to be two spots in their division that are going to go to the postseason with the realignment, because it's top two in each division, as opposed to, you know, most of the league in the Can-Am League, the four teams out of six. So it's going to be interesting to see, and maybe it's a, I know they just had a, a bit of a restructuring. They needed to change some stuff around, focus more on getting more money in. They were kind of 50-50, and I was hearing around that they weren't entirely set in stone for 2020 until wow. about September or so, and that's when things started getting all set in place September, early October, and they were going to be part of the merger as Ottawa couldn't because Ottawa is a whole other ball of wax. Because Ottawa is, well, Ottawa. Yeah. The one guy I do want to want to touch on is the reliever, Gar Garrett Mundell. Yeah. Um, obviously, he had a gr great season with uh, Three Rivers, but I, I found him particularly interesting because uh, he, before, in 2018, he was in the Yankees organization, and he pitched with the Staten Island Yankees, which okay. is the uh, uh, New York Penn League affiliate, short, yep. short season A. He, he was fantastic, actually, with Staten yep. Island. He had a 187 ERA in uh, 18 appearances, yep. but I think it's the problem. The only problem with that is, is uh, they, if the Yankees don't view him as uh, a guy who could possibly rise through the ranks 
as like a 25 year old in the New York Penn League, which let's let's I not mean, yeah. make any mistake about it. it it's very old for the for, for the, the New York Penn, Penn League. League. That's oh, yeah. mostly twenty year olds and twenty one year olds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, guys right out of college and stuff. It's unfortunate he didn't get a chance to like move up to uh, their affiliates in Charleston and Tampa or maybe even Trenton. But I think um, I think for a guy like him specifically, I think you could see um, a stint in indie ball, the Can Am last year, American Association this year. I think if he can continue to pitch like he did in the Can-Am League last year with Winnipeg, I, I think that he could possibly generate some uh, some affiliated interest, even though he's um, he's already 26 years old because we, know, we, we see it all the time with relievers in the MLB. They come out of nowhere, and I really think that this guy, and not to mention last year, he struck out 11 guys per nine, which is which, it's which crazy. Is, it's is, fan, it's yeah. fantastic. I really think that if he can put together a nice season with a team like Winnipeg uh, in a good league like the American Asso- American Association, I would not be surprised at all if he possibly generated some affiliated interest. You know, definitely. I think if he has that same success, which I personally think he's very capable of, the few times I got to see him pitch, he did look just dominant on the mound. And now, granted, he also did have a good team behind him. And... You also have to consider the kind of caliber of teams he's playing against, too. I think that's something that has to be fair. And like you said with the New York Penn League, when you're 24, 25 years old, pitching against guys that are 19, 20, it's a lot easier to overpower them or hit them with something they may not have seen in either high school or college ball. And with the Can-Am, one of the major drawbacks is you played Ottawa a lot. And Ottawa was not a particularly good team. I I forget their exact record, but I do Uh, know they were pretty bad. bad. Yeah. Quebec also had an uncharacteristically bad year, which was, they had no one that I really looked at that roster last year. And I went, they're a good player. There was maybe two guys. Yeah, maybe two. And that was about it. Then even Rockland wasn't that great. I mean, they, they were, were okay, but they weren't great. They had a couple of guys, but it really wasn't that great. It was really the three horse race there between New Jersey, Sussex, and Trey Revop. Yeah. So I'm doing, I'm concerned about that, but I do think I, I, I shouldn't say I do think I could easily see him stepping up his game and playing against these tougher opponents and going up against guys that are, are a bit more reminiscent of major league caliber guys. Telvin Nash. Yeah, Telvin yeah, Nash. Telvin Nash. We'll Telvin get, Nash. Yeah. yeah. We'll get to him in just a minute, actually. But you see also guys like uh, Ryan Court was in, in the American Association, sure, yeah. too. Oh, and, yeah. and he did fairly well with the Mariners. He played in the majors year. last year. Exactly. Yeah, actually, wa- believe it or not, I was actually uh, watching some baseball, watching some late night West Coast baseball, yeah. and uh, I saw... Ryan Court stepped to the plate in the ninth inning. The, the game was over. The Rays yeah. were winning by a lot, right. and I was ex- I was I was really excited for him. I'm like, "Come on, Ryan, give me something." And he was facing the uh, the Rays closer Emilio yeah. Pagan, who oh, really had a fantastic year. <laughs> yeah, he did. And he and he lined the ball out to, to right right center field, and I was. I found myself so excited over uh, a raised, raised Mariners game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in a meaningless game that's just going to be kind of a footnote. But this is why independent league baseball is great. Yeah, because you get to know these guys. You see everything they go through to get to that point, and then when you see something like that, like just a home run that's a pretty pedestrian home run, that's just kind of kind of be like, oh yeah, it made the box score look not as bad as it really was. Yeah, it's just awesome to see that kind of thing. Yeah, and you can't you can't possibly overstate. How much that probably meant to him. Oh, absolutely. Like oh, yeah. Going through in indie leagues and even start starting with Sugarland and he was all and he was very good with Sugarland and um and then getting purchased to AAA and just absolutely raking in AAA the way he did with uh, Tacoma. Um, but I mean, I, I was really happy for him. Like, it, it was in a, it was in an empty ballpark, so I, I don't yeah. even think anyone in the crowd cared. Right. Or um. Rays fans, yeah. if, if there it's, are Rays fans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All five of you listening. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but I, I was so excited for him. And uh, he did struggle a little bit um, in yeah. the majors, as, yeah, as I think you could possibly expect. But yeah. nobody can take that, that exactly. one home run away from him yeah. off of one of the best relievers in the game last year. Exactly. Yeah. And how many people can say, I hit a home run in the majors? That's right. Like, not many people. Not many. Not many can say that. So that's always something there. But back to Monday, I think he really, I think he has the opportunity to be one of those guys. Because like you're saying, relievers come out of nowhere. And there just seems to be such a quick run through of relievers. I mean, you can look at the Mets bullpen last year, or really any major bullpen last year. And just guys were in and out like that. Oh, and yeah. really, even until the trade deadline, the Nationals bullpen was like that, where it was just horrendous. And you just saw new face after new face after new face come through. 
And I think he could definitely be one of those guys where if he just gets signed, I think he could do perfectly fine in double A. And then once you're in triple A, all you need is a break. Yeah, that's right. And, Absolutely. And that could be possible. And even like with, uh, with Harris and Mazza, I know they're, I think they're at least a little bit younger. At least Mazza is, I know. They are, yeah. I, I, I could see Mazza getting a shot if he does really well. Right. And getting into a system and kind of moving along. He's a younger guy and that definitely works for him. It definitely buys him another year or two. Yeah. Harris, I think, is 26, 27, I think. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I know he's around that age. And I know 25, actually. 25, well. okay. Yeah. Well, if he's 25, that's even better for him. I mean, then he's, he definitely seems like he has some potential there. I mean, he certainly did not have a bad year at all. Agreed, yeah. So. I mean, I think a lot of these guys will have the opportunity to get in, particularly because now that what we've seen with the analytics portion of things coming into play, if one guy, you know, has, especially if with the Atlantic League, uh, you know, obviously different league here, but if the Atlantic League, as you know, Will, they, you know, they get these stats, I, I would have to imagine that scouts looking at this go, oh, this guy's spin rate is so much better than, you know, what we have on our staff right now. Let's get That's this right. guy in here. And so I think that advanced scouting has actually made independent leagues more important than I think it's ever been. That's right. Uh, and I, I think it's it's also important to realize that when you when a scout sees a guy in the independent independent ranks with a high spin rate, I mean, they're much more likely now knowing that knowing those analytics to take a chance on him because yeah. again, you're purchasing a guy um, who's a little presumably a little bit older than uh, your normal guys in double A or um, tri- in some triple A. Yeah. some teams as well but i think that and like what's the risk exactly. like yeah right you sign yeah. a guy like who has a high spin rate i mean if he doesn't work out then yeah. what'd you lose you, you got just him, cut him and send him back exactly you got yeah. him fairly cheap it's a lot more of a known commodity now because analytics are taking away kind of the the fog of war of a lot of these guys get him in there and you go well even if he struggled kind of so-so you assume like some of the uh, intangible type things, you know, maturity level, way he conducts himself like a professional. If you're getting a guy that's 25, 26, you assume he's more on that plane, especially going through the independent league system. You yeah. kind of learn that you have to have a routine. You have to do things a certain way if you want to get out and get to that next level. You're going to get that kind of mentality in. You're going to say, well, maybe our guys can fix some of these bumps he's had. And if that's the case, then we got ourselves found money here. And especially with pitchers. Worst case scenario is he doesn't work out that great. You burned an arm that wasn't a guy you were planning on going with in the long term. So your own guy saved pitches on those arms. Yeah, ate a few innings and called it good. Exactly. And then you let him go and then, you know, whatever happens, happens. Like I said, basically found money. Yeah, and like, um, and again, as a Red Sox fan, we have a we had a reliever named Ryan Brazier, yeah. um, and he came from the uh, Japanese minor leagues. Red yeah. Sox, uh, Red Sox scout really liked uh, some of those analytics. They brought him into AAA. And uh, Nick, I think you were talking yeah. about how all you need is a break once you're in AAA, and it's actually a perfect example because they brought up. They brought him up, uh, and the only reason they really did it was because that they didn't want to waste an op- a minor league option on someone else, and they brought him up just because, like, oh, we can he can be pitch here for yeah. four like four or five days, and then we can just designate him for assignment, and right. then all and, is fine. Yeah, yeah but yeah. he was fil- he was on- he was great when he came up. And he has not left since. Yeah, there you exactly. go, right? That's, exactly. That's all you need. Yeah, yeah. And that's a lot of all these guys are really asking for. They're just asking for a break. Give them a chance and then they'll do what they do with it. But yeah, it's almost like, and just real quick, I just want to kind of get a pointless story out of the way. And then we'll move on to the final thing before we get to the rules review. It's kind of like when the Mets traded for Kelly Shoppert from the Red Sox, actually. Oh, yes. We had, Kelly Shoppert. Yep. yep. We had our choice of guys to send and we sent... I believe it was Pedro Beato instead of the guy that we were originally going to send. Oh, and, really? Yeah, and that guy was Jacob DeGrom. Wow. I had at no the, idea. At the last second, we backed down. We're like, uh, no, we're going to give you a different guy instead. Wow. <laughs> and now Jacob DeGrom is arguably the best pitcher in baseball. I mean, yeah, probably. I, I would, for my money, the best pitcher in baseball. I mean, that, that's Don't what tell happens. national fans that. They <laughs> think it's Max Scherzer. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, I, I would agree with DeGrom as an <laughs> unbiased yeah person here. yeah old two eyes but oh. uh but you know i think the the issue here that we're talking about is absolutely right i mean it's all it's 90 percent skill and then 10 percent luck i mean that's really what it is it, you know your skill your preparation how much uh, effort and time you're putting in in the off season goes into all of it 
and and it's a little bit of luck. It's a guy getting hurt. It's uh, you know the stories you've heard a thousand times. It's you know a guy getting hurt and then somebody going in for him and that's it. And now you're you're playing forever. And it's just the way that it, those things happen. And I, I think it's absolutely a great point to bring up Brazier and other guys like that. That you know oh here you go. He had one chance. And so with that, I think we'll turn to a different area of the American Association. And as we mentioned earlier, Telvin Nash has signed with the St. Paul Saints. If I had to hazard a guess, this is partially due to the uh, wonderful rule changes. Absolutely. And as we all know, Telvin Nash was undisputably the best player in in, uh, the Atlantic League last year and very well arguably the best player in independent ball. Uh, Keenum Barnum took that honor, and he was fairly deserving of it too. But certainly Telvin Nash... When you hit 41 home runs in 137 games, that that's hard. It's hard to dispute. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that's raking. That is raking right there. I mean, every measurable metric, he was good. We could run through the stats for oh, days, yeah. but we've done that in the past plenty. And really, the question that becomes with science like this is obviously, how is York going to fill that production hole? Obviously, he wasn't going, or probably wasn't going to do that again next year is that's just such a terrific year it's hard to duplicate right without having them there it's going to be a giant hole for york to try and fill and patch in and obviously it's a big gain for st paul to get and they've been a class organization from the beginning they're one of the stalwart organizations of independently baseball they're up there with probably long island and somerset and i'd even put quebec in that category because they've been around for a while and done things by the book pretty much but the the ba- the larger overreaching question is are we going to see more things like this more moves like this where we see guys leave the atlantic league because of these rule changes to these other leagues like the american association yeah for me uh personally when i heard this news i was uh i I was i was pretty stunned at first that was my that was my initial react why 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 would you go to um, the american association from the atlantic league why would you maybe take a half step down in a way yeah but and the more I thought about it, um, I, I can sort of understand. He, I mean, Telvin is he's twenty eight, twenty nine years old, and maybe he's maybe he's realizing like, I don't know if I'm going to get another shot, yeah, but I don't want to play with these rules anymore. Yeah, and I and I, uh, you gotta I I'm that. disappointed in it because I would like to watch him more. Right, but of I, I totally understand it, and I think that from what I've heard from players specifically about the american association the american association is is a good league what i have heard from uh from players though of course there's a couple on either side that uh that differ but the general consensus is that they would rather be in the atlantic league with the rules than the american association and the only reason is because the american association the teams are they stretch from winnipeg to texas and that is that's that must be a hell on the ton of travel. Now, yeah. if guys are willing to go through that travel and just to play like uh, baseball without any of these quirky rules, more power to them. But I think the, I, I and I think that's what you could have seen with the Frontier League. I think they could have really, again with the age limit, I think they missed an opportunity to uh, really give the knockout blow to the Atlantic League. They didn't do it, but I think that I don't know if you'll see a couple guys for sure. I don't know if you'll see a lot of guys move to the American Association just because, I mean, traveling from Winnipeg to Texas is going to be bad. It's oh, it's be terrible. terrible. Yeah. Oh. I don't know how you. I, Especially because it's probably a bus. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. So, I mean, I, I think the travel, if they, if there wasn't a better way of traveling, I think the Atlantic yeah. could be in a lot of danger. Yeah, if I they agree. were just kind of tighter packed, yeah. Yes. I agree with you. And we were. Ta- it's funny you bring that up because we were all talking about how the front team. Frontier League messed that age limit up oh, badly. Yeah. They, they bungled, bungled that. Yeah. And it, you just see, like you said right there, in a prime example, because I could guarantee you if that age limit wasn't there, I'm sure a team like Rockland would have been like, oh, you want to come over? Absolutely. I'm sure. I mean, Rockland, you you, you look at Rockland, it, it's an Atlantic League type ballpark. Oh, yeah. Atlanta, Atlantic League type atmosphere. Yep. The, the Literally, the only difference is like may, maybe the town isn't quite as good at the moment, but possibly you could see more of um, if guys come down, you could maybe see them overtake the Atlantic League. And I think and if a team like Rockland, because I'm sure Telvin Nash had his choice yeah. of in oh, he had options. Teams. Anywhere, anywhere he wanted to <laughs> um, go. Yeah. He he had his choice. Yeah, and I bet if I bet if a team like Rockland 
really came calling and they did not have this age limit i'm not i'm not guaranteeing that nash would go there because i i don't know what he's uh i don't know his mindset i don't know him personally but i think he would have to consider it oh he would. yeah especially in that market i mean especially in the right next to the new york market there he was already had just an unbelievable season he was getting national media coverage for having a great season last year and hitting 41 home runs and now you go to a new york market yeah it's not in in new york city but it's not far you know and so you're 40 minutes yeah 40 minutes from new york city you know and you have this big guy who could be let's say he hits 35 home runs again this year he could catapult himself back into uh affiliate system system very quickly because he's going to have that coverage um, and scouts and everybody are going to be able to go see him way more access. And the Absolutely. problem is, like you said, and we talked about it off air and we talk about it now, there is no reason to have the age limit right now. That is the only thing that is done is shot the Frontier League's growth in the leg. Money. Exactly. Uh, and it's all about money. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it just keeps coming back to that same sticking point. And I get they want rookies and I get they want younger teams, but just have the rookie requirement on your roster go up and make it unlimited for the age or just restrict veterans in total. I mean, like, or restrict the veteran minimum. If it is a a money issue, restrict what that minimum is going to be and, you know, what the max is going to be for those guys and then go for it from there. I mean, there's no need to, you know, make these sweeping rule changes if they're not going to work. Exactly. It's just such a stupid decision. And talking to every player, they're just like, why is this here? And it's just a hindrance. Yeah. And, and we, ha- and I talked to uh, you guys off air about it specifically. Yeah. But, um, one thing uh, with my ALPB news, uh, Instagram account, one thing I'm very, very fortunate to have is players who, who will talk like off the record with me, like just like a normal person. And I, I really do appreciate that. If, if any yeah. of you specifically are listening, you definitely know who you are. But they, I've had, I had probably like 10 to 12 players and I'm serious about this. They're DMing me and they're asking me, Hey, do you know anything about this, um, this age limit? And they would not, and they're not just asking about an age limit in the frontier league for no reason at all. Or so they could tell a friend they, they're, they're They're very interested. interested. Yeah. And they're like, and even a guy, I'm not going to say a name, but, uh, there is a, uh, there was someone who, uh, was really considering the Frontier League, and once they heard about the uh, that the age limit was still intact, he said he's like, I I'm gonna he he said he was gonna go leave, probably play ball in Italy or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, makes sense. Uh, and I I understand it, and it's really it was really a missed opportunity, and not a big fan of the like the rules in general, and I kind of would have loved to see the Atlantic League pay for the decision that they made. Oh, absolutely. That's, it just seems like they had the opportunity. They had him against the wall and they just were like, eh, okay, whatever. And I understand. Exactly. Yeah, right. And a lot of these guys too that didn't know that this was coming, like you may have heard rumors and stuff about it. Cause I was even talking to other guys that are kind of in the more media area of a lot of these front offices and real random, well respected teams. And they were like, I haven't heard anything of that. I heard that X team and X team were looking so hot for next year, but I didn't hear anything about a merger i imagine the guys in the clubhouse sure they may have heard rumors about they may have heard from other guys like this may be coming down the pipeline but if you didn't you're just kind of blindsided even if you know it's coming how are you supposed to plan going forward i mean there and there's no denying there is a noticeable skill gap between even an american association and a canada league there is a there is a jumping off point there and so if you're a guy that's like i can try to go against it but even like Let's take like any of these upcoming tryouts because it's basically tryout season right now for all these leagues. Yes. Right. If you go try out for the Atlantic League right now and you're, let's say, just some average can ammer. Okay. You go, you try out. And when you get there, you see guys that spent the past three years in AAA. You see a couple of guys that have some major league service time there. And you go, well, the highest I ever got was pitching in like round one of the Can-Am playoffs or pitching for like a power five conference in college. Yeah. Off the bat, you're like already, even if we're equal, they're probably going major league experience over me. So I have to be, and I have to be that much better. And that's not saying necessarily that's unfair. It's a bad thing because competition is fine. Competition is good. It's just, you have all, you have the sea of guys. Now they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've had plenty of guys that after it came out, were like, are you sure this is set in stone? Because I really don't have a plan for next year now. I need to yeah. think of something. And I've had other guys that are like, yeah, I pitched in the Frontier League before, and 
I I did so great for like that team and they're not even contacting me right now. And I'm not sure how much of that is well they have their eye on different players and different, you know, ways of constructing the roster and how much of that is just we'd rather not use that spot on you. But it's it definitely creates a weird optic around everything and it's just such a bad decision when you have an opportunity to leapfrog a league which I think has undisputably been the best league and the highest prestige league in indie, in indie ball that we've seen. By far, by yeah. far. And it's one of those pillar leagues, like the Northern League was for a while until that went down, and really it's like one of the last standing pillars of that original indie boom in the 90s that we've seen. And you had that opportunity to take that prestige beyond their level and really gain notoriety. Yeah. And you just passed it up, and it just seems like such a wasted opportunity. And to me, wasted potential, wasted opportunities are one of the worst things possible. Agreed. And it, it just doesn't seem right. Any case, so it's gonna be a, it's gonna be very interesting to see how this plays out. Drifting back to to Nash and whatnot, and obviously St. Paul is gonna be very happy with this acquisition. Oh, sure. yeah. absolutely ecstatic to say the least. Oh yeah, I mean they're getting a huge power bat, and I think they're in really good shape moving forward. Oh, absolutely. I mean they already won their championship yeah, last year. They're just restocking. Exactly. They retain the guys they want to retain. You bring in a big bat like Nash. And you're playing in a very nice, high-quality ballpark, like like a CHS field there that has a museum attached to it for baseball in the Twin Cities. It'll be fun to watch how all this develops and how it shakes out. Agreed. All right. So there's just one thing that we need to get to, because I promised someone I'd get to this. Actually, you'll probably know them players that make (laughs) because I I somehow got drawn into a DM back and forth about this. Over potential players in the Atlantic League, I tried handling this, and now I'm just going to put it out here because I said I'll address this on the question. I'm going to go through the list of players and explain why they are either make no sense to be in the Atlantic League next year. Juan Lagares, he's a major league caliber player. Yes. Yeah, he is a major league. I'm just saying that as a fact. Yes. Okay. I, I'm addressing this right now. He is not in the Atlantic League. He is a major league caliber player. If at only a bench late inning game defensive replacement. He's a gold glove caliber outfielder. Yes. He if maybe he can't hit at a major league level because if he developed even the ability to bat 260, he'd be a everyday outfielder. Oh yeah. But I I'm just addressing that right now. He is not in the Atlantic League next year unless something no. goes horribly wrong. Right, unless he goes like let's say he gets a spring training invite and hits, you know, O96 maybe. You no, know. No, no, that John Mayberry did that for the Mets and he still stayed yeah, on the team. Right. And he something. actually they moved him to the 3 hole for like a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is the Mets, yeah. 15 was a crazy year, man. It was. Yeah, it was. Go f- in May, we had John Mayberry batting there. In August, we had Joanna Cespedes there. It was a crazy year. Yeah, and it was very go. fun. Yeah, of course. Okay, next up, Wilmer Flores. Again, major league no, caliber player. That's no, no, no. He had a, he had over an 800 OPS. Yeah, no. He was a quality yeah, absolutely player. Not. Absolutely not. He was, he, he was very good last year. This one, and just straight up, no. Matt Harvey has too much no. pride to pitch in this league. <laughs> Even if he doesn't, does, even if he shouldn't oh have my. that, that is Matt Harvey to a T. Oh He'd rather retire on the snacks of money he has from the Mets than do that. I he mean, was, he was good in AAA last year. No, exactly. he, he was yeah. good in AAA last year. He showed flashes when he was with the Angels, even though he was, you know, he overall he was pretty bad. But he he showed flashes. He's still as Plus, he he has the pedigree where someone's going right. to say he's Matt Harvey. Look what he did. We could we could fix him. And as he learns how to pitch more, I mean, he's always relied on his stuff. As he learns how to become a pitcher and use his breaking stuff, someone is going to use him in a relief role. He might not be a starter, I but he is a reliever. Yeah, yeah, but as a reliever, he is not going to be in the Atlantic League. He'll be in somebody's AAA system or yep. he'll be on a major league roster. Yep. Austin Jackson. Again, I see him as a spring training invite type guy. Yeah. I could maybe see him. This one I maybe. can see more. This yeah. is more realistic. This one I, I could see. Right. Austin Jackson ha- is a little bit older too, right? So yeah. I could see this, yeah. you know, kind of on the downward end of his career a little bit. I could see this one. I mean, he was okay with the Mets and the little bit of action he saw last yeah. year. He I mean, he saw great, a guy like Akil Morris go to that prospect dugout uh, showcase oh, yeah. that. Uh, will become very, very important as we get closer to it because yeah. there's so many, there's, I believe, 34 players that wow. are going to be yeah. in the Atlantic League. Big deal. I'll get more into it on yeah. my Instagram page as it gets closer. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but I think you could see a guy like maybe him. like that. Yeah. Yep. 
Then we have Ruben Tejada. Again, I kind of put him in the same boat, but I feel like Ruben's good enough to be a AAA guy. AAA, I think. Yeah. I think he'll be in a farm system somewhere. He could leak into the independent leagues, though. I, I could see it. Okay. He's uh, not not a not talented player, a very talented player, but unfortunately has had his bumps. You could, you could compare him to like a TJ Rivera, maybe? Yeah, yeah maybe. I could see that. Uh, also, just screw Chase Utley. Then we have John Neese. I, he was technically in the Atlantic League for a brief moment. Back. Yeah, I could see him coming back. But then again, he got signed before what? I don't think he actually pitched. Well, he actually so he, he, pitch he, he pitched a spring training game against the Black Sox. Okay, and then and, he got and then uh, Mariners guy was there. They said, "Yep." And then they uh, they and sent they him to the Triple A. Okay, right. so I but how did the same he thing? do last year? Not in good. He was cut. Like he, I believe he was cut in June. And I think if he wanted to come back to the Atlantic he League, he could have come back near the end of the season. Right. And the fact that he didn't makes me seem like, all right, this is my last chance. I'm not going to keep doing this. Right. Hmm. Then we have Jose Batista and Jose Reyes. Both no. are retired. No, uh, they've happened. made over a hundred million dollars in their career. They have exactly. no reason to do this. Yeah, exactly. I think I think those guys are, are done. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, you I love to see Jose Reyes or Jose Batista playing for the Ducks or the Patriots, but I, I don't, yeah, I don't foresee that happening. Uh, Lucas Duda again. I just so I actually have a funny thing about Lucas Duda. Okay, I'm not gonna bring up any names, but I do have a extremely reliable source. Okay, uh, w- w- within the uh, within the Long Island Ducks, actually. Okay. I, according to a, a, a reliable source, the Ducks did reach out to Lucas Duda. Oh, yeah? They did. Uh, Lucas Duda said no. But <laughs> <laughs> I can see that, too. <laughs> but I did uh, receive information from a source within, within that front office okay. that they did reach out to Lucas Duda. He was not interested. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he I retired it, yeah. like, last year. and I yeah, mean, just, like, He's done. Just, he's done. Yeah. Done is done. Yeah. Uh, Dominic Brown. He was actually, yeah. so he was, so actually, believe it or not, he was actually supposed to be with the Patriots. Oh, yeah? There that was that makes deal, sense. There yeah. was a deal in place to have him with the Patriots. It wasn't officially announced, yeah. but the deal was in place with the Patriots, actually, with Dominic Brown. Wow. A team from Mexico then swooped in at the last second oh, and yeah. said, hey, um, hey, we'd like to have you on our team. Obviously, the Patriots said no problem. Mexican yeah. League's better. They purchased guys from there anyway. Yeah. Uh, Dominic Brown went to AAA. He was actually fantastic in Mexico last year. Yeah. So I, I think you'll either see him back there, maybe a spring training training invite. So but, similar yeah. to Nice last year. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? We got uh, Vic Black, who I believe was with the Jackals for a brief moment, either last was, year or the yeah. year before. Yeah. yeah. I could possibly see it, but I don't really think so. I, I don't know. I, I don't heard. know on this one. I, I I haven't heard too much about Vic Black in in a while. Actually, uh, I won't I, rule it out. Yeah. I, was he? I really think he might have been on the Rockers roster at the beginning, and he just never reported. There was it something like that. Maybe now that you mention it, I do remember seeing it because I when we went through the roster for them, yes. I was looking through that. I was like, they're real. Like, there's a couple of interesting names here. Like Vic Black's on oh, here. Yeah, yeah. Akil yeah. Morris. Yep. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he was yeah. on the... Yeah, the, yeah. And then we were talking about guys like Khalil Sams right, and yeah, stuff. And right. like, Sams will do well, and then he didn't do well. <laughs> and He was hurt, though. I'll yeah. cut him a little slack. Yeah. yeah, that. And then there was a couple other Rockland guys that were on there, too. I was like, that makes sense, because Jamie keeps bringing his guys to start the year, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, we have Josh Edgen, who officially retired in the beginning of 2018 and hasn't pitched since. No. I mean, he's retired, yeah. Yep. My favorite on the list, Henry Mejia. Oh, so actually, he pitched with the Red Sox for a little bit last year. Yeah. Uh, not not in the major league. He uh, started in spring training. Yeah. Pitched in AAA. Was pretty bad in AAA with yeah. with the with Pawtucket. Uh, actually, I would not be surprised mm. if I think somebody might give him a chance in spring training because he throws hard. Yeah. Right. You don't know what these advanced analytics say about maybe his uh, fastball sinker or whatever. Right. I could see it. I mean, yeah, but at the same time. I always assume Henry Mejia's, you know, on the verge of getting suspended for the fourth time. <laughs> That's true. Yes, he's, he's going to be again suspended for life. New York to then. Met legend. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> to get That's suspended for life uh, fourth time. So. Yeah, and he's going to get suspended again and say I wasn't doing it. And he's going to test positive for the same thing he tested positive for the last three times. Unknowingly ingested it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unknowingly, it just happened. It got there. Yeah, it just kind of happens. You know how that goes. But yeah, no, I could see him in the Atlantic League. I could. Yeah. Renee Rivera, Josh Tolley, Chris Young. So jo- uh, Josh Tolley was actually with the New Britain Bees. The okay. start of 2018 was purchased okay. by the Detroit Tigers. Okay. I actually don't really know how he's done since. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a little old. I would yeah. lean towards now. Yeah. 
Um, Let's can, can you repeat the other name? Uh, there's Rene Rivera and Chris Young. So Rene Rivera actually did really well in AAA last yeah. year with for the Syracuse Mets. He yeah. even made a couple appearances with the Mets. Yeah, I I, I'd say he's back in AAA this year. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought too. Although with him, he is no stranger to the Atlantic League. He played for Camden he for did. quite some time. That's yeah. true, yeah. So I suppose, but like you said, I, he also is like the definition of like your third string or fourth string yes. catcher that isn't really going to hit well, but is a solid defensive guy. And those guys last. I mean, they yeah. stick around forever. Plus, they're good to keep in AAA for young pitchers, Absolutely. too. Yep. It helps keep them calm and stuff like Absolutely. that. You know. uh, Chris, probably not. Yep, Chris Young, I don't... Chris Young, the the, the think, lefty guy who would hit lefties to the Red Sox? Right? Yeah, I think the, so. Yeah, Red well, Sox and Yankee? Not the pitcher, right? No, not the pitcher, the, bat, the outfielder. Oh, okay. the Red Sox and no Yankee, Chris Young? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's yeah, happening to him. Yeah. And then uh, this one guy who I don't actually think exists, Eric Goddell, but I think he means Eric I, Goddell. I bet he, I think it is Eric Goddell. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I was like, Goddell doesn't exist, but Eric Goddell, it, last I know, he's I think he's out in the KBO. But I don't. Was he bad in the KBO? He was all right. I mean, like, put that's, like that's this, a hitter friendly league. That so. is yeah. a hitter friendly yeah. league. Yeah, I, I put it like this. I think he's good enough to get another shot at a foreign league. I believe yeah. so. If, if that's what he wants to do, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Unless he wants to pitch in the U.S., I just. It, but it wouldn't make sense. Why not pitch in either the KBO or in uh, Japan? The, yeah. The, it'll, yeah. A lot of times yeah. when guys are over there, they're over there. They exactly. moved a lot over there. They're ready to be there. And a lot of times they get paid pretty decent to be yeah, over they there, too. very well. Yeah. yeah. They do. And that that's like a former uh, Long Island Duck, Sean Nolan. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. Um, he's going to be pitching in Japan this year. Um, and he's going to be – they're making a lot of money. And yeah. that's exactly. why you see um, – Guys go there. If you're ever like a, following a major league team and you're confused why – a guy who is maybe like a fr- like like a fringe, a fringe guy, a 4A goes, guy yeah. say like I'm gonna go to Korea and they're like why would you do that why would you go to Korea and not be in AAA well they make a lot more money exactly. in Korea and Japan um, than uh, than in just sitting in AAA yeah. Yeah. you would make a lot more money oh, yeah. if you're and Gav- you have the same amount of eyes almost I mean yeah. it's still a very well, high level I mean, like, professional yeah, if league if you're Gavin Cicchini, there's no benefit to you playing in AAA Syracuse oh, as opposed yeah. to playing for say knee palm ham fighters yeah. there's yeah. no there's no gain there no. we yeah. had yeah. and then the only other name that was sent was uh todd frazier which no no i think we can yeah, we yeah. Can yeah. Wrap it up. I, i'm willing to say no on that one yeah no todd's he'll, he'll be nope yeah so that that was my point there and because after i sounded the one thing and it kept going i was like you know what yes deal with it on the show hey because that's going to be easier so that way we can all agree that a lot of those names are unrealistic there's a right. handful that you know i could see but by and large i don't see any of that happen yeah so yeah that concludes part one of two for episode 46 part two will be released later in the week you can find us on twitter at indie ball pod or on instagram at indie ball report you can also find everything we create from podcasts to videos to even articles on indieballreport.com the show is available on most of all podcatchers, including TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Podomatic, and Apple Podcasts. You can find our guests on Instagram at ALPB underscore news. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, don't forget, play ball.